Well, good morning, good morning. Open your Bibles to Hebrews 12. That's going to be our text. We are continuing our series called Witnesses from the first three verses of this chapter. You know, after listing name after name, story after story, men and women of incredible faith, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, referring back to these people that he mentioned in chapter 11, they are our witnesses. Um, they have a testimony to share. And then he wrote, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. And last week we studied this and came to understand it means to, to set it aside and, and push it away. You know, any weight that, that hinders us and the sin of unbelief. We talked about the whole theme of the book of Hebrews is that Jesus is superior. Jesus is better. And that we believe that. That is the sin of unbelief when we deny that he is better. But look at the rest of this section. Continuing on, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This morning, our focus is on this, this next sentence, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run. Now, I need to confess, <clears throat> I do not run. I'm not a runner. Uh, are there any runners here? Some of you are runners. C and I walk often. We try to walk every day. We don't walk every day, but we try to walk often. But I don't run. Now, the good thing about that is you're not going to hear me go on and on about why you need to run and tell you all my running stories because I don't have any. Uh, so you're welcome. But I think there's some legitimate reasons not to run. Can I share those real quickly? For one, uh, <laughs> that's what I get an amen for. Well, you got to wear special shoes, right? Or runners will tell you, you got to have special shoes if you run. And, and they're expensive. And you got to have special clothing. And runners will talk about special food you've got to eat. And then all the special stuff, it kind of goes on with it. you got to have a special watch, you know, one of those watches that will map your run and, and track your run. And it will post your run on social media so everybody can know where you've been running, right? Does anybody have a brother-in-law who does that? I have two. Would you like one? I'll give them both to you. You know, they run all the time, and I know all about it because I, I see that. Think about this. If you don't run, you avoid having shin splints and runner's knee and all other kind of ailments. So there are a lot of reasons not to run. You're welcome for that. But evidently, runners know this because not only do they talk about it and they post it on social media and you can track their run, they've invented all these creative things to, to entice others to want to run to make it sound like it's fun. Like, have you heard of a, a color run? I got a picture. Have you heard of this? Where everybody that's running, you wear white and then they've got people that throw this colored powder at you. Doesn't that make you want to run? Well, here's the caption to that picture. It said, tips for the happiest 5K on the planet. 
No, it doesn't work for you either, does it? It's like, no. Or what about this next one, a mud run? Have you seen this, heard of this? They're called uh, uh, Tough Mudders or Spartan Run, they're uh, Mud Run. This picture was from BBC. This was the caption, y'all. It said, Mud Run Probe into Diarrhea Outbreak. <laughs> I kid you not. I'm not making that up. See, I, I don't want to go there. Or this next one. I had to read about this one. A Disney Princess Half Marathon. Cost you $4,000 just to get in, I think, you know, and then you put a tutu on and go for it. No, that's not for me either. I find it interesting that the original audience that this book of Hebrews was written to were not runners. Or at least we don't know that they were runners. They might have been, but they may not have been. We don't know anything about them being runners. But it really doesn't matter because as he starts off this chapter and makes these points, he chooses a metaphor that even if they're not runners, and even if we're not runners, we can still understand what he's trying to communicate here. We understand what it means to run a race. And there are significant parallels to running a race with being a child of God. Because just like running, not everybody runs. Not everyone is in the race he's talking about. See, even if I, as I was talking about running, those of you who do run, what you were thinking was, he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand. And I would say, you're right. Because I don't run. And therefore, I don't really understand. But here's where it gets a little, uh, I don't know, uh, touchy because I think I know. And if I think I know about running, then I can talk about it and I can come up with excuses. But I really, because I don't run, I don't understand. And that's where the parallel also works when we talk about the spiritual race. There are people who think they know what it means to run the spiritual race but they don't because they're not in the race. Now they think they know and that's where again it gets a little difficult. They grew up in some form of church grow, uh, going attendant, uh, 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 tradition. They know some things about the Bible. Maybe they were baptized at some point. Maybe they've got a good study Bible. Uh, maybe they've even taught a Bible class or they give of their money or maybe their whole family. You know, that's just kind of everybody in their family. That's kind of what they do. They may have even gone on a, on a mission trip at some point. But after all this time, in spite of all the good people in their life who are in the race, all the people who are encouraging them, they're not really in the race. They never really got in the race. Now, it feels as if you're in the race because you're around those who run. You know, if you're around people who do something, you feel like you're a part of it. You know, like when you take your kids to the field or the court or, or whatever the sport is, you know, you sometimes feel like you are a part of that because, you know, you've got the dust on you too and you're wearing the colors. You ever go uh, to a football game, like a college game, and you, you pass all those who are tailgating and how many of them are, are throwing the football back and forth? You know, it's like they just feel like they're just right there with it. But at the end of the day, they have to admit they're not in the game. You know, they're just spectators. They're just fans. What other reason you have for not spiritually running? I think these witnesses in Hebrews chapter 11 and all the people in your life who appointed you to Jesus would say, it's time for you to get in the race. It's time for you to start running. 
So let me ask a question, kind of get us thinking about this. What is the race? What is this race marked before us or set before us, depending on the translation you read? See, if you don't know the answer to what is the race, that might be a clue that you're not in the race. What is the race? Because the race is not a destination. The race is trying to follow Jesus. Think about how many times in the Bible it will mention the imagery of traveling or walking or steps or, or a path, even running. And it's used to describe what it means to follow Jesus, to be his disciple. Jesus did this over and over again and used this kind of word picture. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He repeats himself so many times, but do you remember the two-word statement, command, that he made over and over again? Follow me. Follow me. That's what he asked of people. Paul understood this. Paul wrote about this. Now, he was late in joining the race compared to the other apostles, but he was playing catch-up pretty quickly. In fact, he even tried to encourage others. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. What's the race about? Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Whatever I'm doing that points you to Jesus, that's what you need to do also. Peter said the same thing, 1 Peter 2.21. For to this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. So if anybody's confused, if you're not sure, Jesus is the example, what are we to do? We follow him. We follow his example. We walk like he walked. John was running the race. He was concerned that people might be deceived. What does it mean? Because people are saying different things about the race. 1 John 2 verse 5, By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. He knew that people were going to deceive people trying to follow Jesus. Anyone claims to be in him, to pursue him, to deal with him, they're on a mission to be like Jesus. That's what he says. I believe that's why the early church in those, those early days was called the way. Do you remember that? They weren't called Christians until Acts 11. That's where it records it. In Acts chapter 9, when, when Saul, who became Paul, was trying to persecute Christians, the way they were described there is belonging to the way. It's quite descriptive, isn't it? Way. Why does that word fit? Because it meshes with everything else Jesus said and all these others were saying. See, if you ask the early Christians, if you ask Jesus, if you ask Paul, if you ask Peter, if you ask John, if you ask the writer of Hebrews, what is this race? What is it about? You see the similar message here. The race is to follow Jesus. And they'd go on to explain what that looks like. And they would repeat what Jesus taught, like turning the other cheek and going the second mile and, and loving people unconditionally, forgiving, encouraging, building others up, being selfless. You notice people everybody else ignores. You point people to Jesus. You want to know what the race is? The race is living your life like Jesus. Well, here's another question. We're talking about being in the race or not being in the race. 
how do you know if you're in the race? What do you know? How do you know if you're in the race? I think everybody who's in the race would agree with this. When you run, things happen. When you run, spiritually, things happen. Something happens inside of you. Every step, every day, moves you toward a transformation. I found this to be true. So many of you, you you know what I'm talking about. Let me share a couple examples. When we run, the Word becomes alive. When we run, the Word becomes alive. If you're not in the race, Bible study is a chore. Bible study is sometimes difficult to do. You have to make yourself. But when we run, when you get in the game, the Word becomes a fire within. And everything that you've studied, that you've stored, it becomes like a burst of energy that helps you at the time. It's like a tailwind that helps you to know where to go. When you are in the race, when you are running, the Word comes alive. Here's another. When we run, we pray. When we run, we pray. Same way. Sometimes we think of prayer as a duty to perform. becomes, though, for us, running second nature. It just happens. We're talking to God all the time. It's not a last resort. It's a first impulse. Because as you're running, you're just having this ongoing conversation with God all day long. You ever been in a text thread that just goes all evening? It's just like it won't end? Maybe it's with a group and somebody chimes in and somebody chimes in. You think, this is the longest thread in the history of texting. You know? Think about praying that way. You connect with God first thing in the morning and it's just all day long. So you're not having to think about it. You're not being forced to, oh, at the end of the day, you're not thinking, did I pray today? If you're running, if if you're in the race, you are praying. Because you are that connected to the Lord. You see situations, and you immediately, you want to go to God with it. God, I got a friend who's hurting. They need you. Help them. God, I'm in the situation. I don't know what to do. Give me wisdom. God, I'm angry. Help me to hold my tongue. God, I need your wisdom here to know how to respond in this situation. Over and over and over again, wherever we're going through, God is right there with us. And because we're in the race, when we run, we pray. It just flows. Here's another one. When we run, sin gets exposed for what it really is. It gets shown for what it really is. When you're not in the race, sin looks like the candy aisle. Like when you were a kid. Do you remember that? When you were so young, you longed to go by the candy aisle. And you could sit there and drool for days. Couldn't get enough of it. But then as you mature, that candy aisle, you you know there's a lot of sugar in there. And it's not good for your teeth. And it just doesn't have the same appeal as it did when you were little, when you were a child, when you were immature. You've kind of gone to like other things you realize what it is, that sin is just a cheap substitute for what really satisfies. So when you run, sin gets exposed for what it really is. Number four, when we run, we see God do the impossible. You're washed with the word, as the Bible says, because you're in step with God, you're talking with him all the time, you're spiritually in tune, you're walking with the spirit, and because of that, you see God working even when others do not. You're so aware of his presence. You see him doing amazing things. And so part of your prayer is just praising God for the way he's working all around you. 
So your worship doesn't wait until Sunday morning. You don't have to have just the right song or just the right uh, emotional moment for your heartstrings to be plucked to worship. When you're in the race, when you're running, as you just go about life, you are so in tune with God, your whole life is worship. You're praising the Lord all the time with everything that you see around you. God, you are amazing. Thank you for doing that. You came in at just the right time. Because you're in the race, worship is like breathing. And here's one more. When we run, we're able to love people the way God loves people. When you're in the race, as the writer of Hebrews says, when you're looking to Jesus, that means you're taking your eyes off of yourself. That means you're taking your eyes off of your stuff. That means you're taking your eyes off of whatever's going on in our country, in our politics. That's not what you're focusing on. We take our eyes off of our pains and our struggles. We take our eyes off of our own hurts and, and the failures of others and those who did you wrong. You're not even thinking about that anymore because you are looking to Jesus. See, when we run, we don't just get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. When we run, we put ourselves in the position to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. And that's really what it means to be a part of the race, following Jesus. You're submitting to him. In fact, as I was studying, that could be a whole other blank. When we run, we are transformed. And if you're in the race, you're probably thinking some other things that you could put in there, even more blank. So what is the challenge? What, what are we to do? What's, what's the writer here encouraging us? Well, number one, we run. We run because Jesus is superior. We run because Jesus is better. We run because it's what we're made for. We run because everyone in your life needs Jesus. And you may be the very one to point them to him. We run because that's how we experience Jesus. We dive into the word. We trust what it says. We obey what it says. We love people unconditionally. We serve selflessly. We give generously. We let go of our past because we believe the Bible. We believe that Jesus' death on the cross was enough to wash us clean. We grow in our relationship with God. We worship like it's breathing. We get off the sidelines. We're not just talking about it. We're in the race. And we feel in step with the Spirit. And so when we read in Galatians 5 about love and joy and peace and patience and faithfulness and gentleness, self-control, we're growing more and more in each of these. But I need to say something. Some of you have never run. You've never gotten the race. Now, you've been close and you're around people that run. And so sometimes it feels like you're in the race. Sort of like tossing the football before you go into the stadium. But you've not allowed God to come in and to work in you and through you. You still think like the world. That what matters is your job, and what matters is volunteering, and what matters is staying healthy, and what, made, what matters is, is being kind being nice. Atheists can be nice people. Alabama football fans can be nice people. Okay, some of them can be nice people. 
But you know what I mean. Don't confuse being a nice person with being in the race. It's not the same. I also need to say this. For some, there was a time when you were in the race. You were in the race, but you're not now. You were. Maybe you need to hear what Paul wrote to the Christians in Galatia, Galatians 5, 7. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? The NIV says, who cut in on you? If you've ever been running, you know what that means, that cut in. Who hindered you? Who tripped you up? What happened? Who was it? What was it? Was it work? Was it a failure? Was it someone who hurt your feelings? Was it somebody who stabbed you in the back? Was it somebody at church who didn't come through? Was it God who didn't meet your expectations? You prayed for something and he never gave you the yes you were asking for. What was it? That's what he's asking here. Who cut in on you to cause you to stop running? And for some of you, you've been running. You've been in the race for as long as you can remember. And I want to say thank you for that. And I also want to say keep running. Keep running. I love to read Hebrews 11, these men and women who did amazing things through faith. It's so inspiring, one after another after another. But you know what I also love? is somebody who's in the race with me. Somebody who maybe is just ahead of me. A living witness. Folks, this church is full of them. People who are in the race. They're not perfect, but they're pointing to Jesus. And they're taking step after step, being transformed into his image. And it's so encouraging to me to see people who've gone through disappointment and struggle when life has handed them the weight. We talked about that last week. And, and it's, it's heavy. And maybe they're slower, but they're so determined and they keep going. You know, one of the best parts of a race is cheering. You know what I mean? You've seen that in the race where people are on the sidelines, the family, they got the banners on the sides, they're, they're cheering them on. And especially at the finish line, you know, when they're there, they got the water and the hugs and, and they finish the marathon and it's just so sweet. It's all the cheering and it's just a good thing. I mean, to run alone, who does that? If you do, then you got to have a watch and put it on social media. Somebody's got to know. But the cheering of the race is what makes it so good. So we run, but note this, we run together. We run together. We don't run alone. And folks, this is where it can be a challenge for us spiritually. As Americans, we are just immersed in an independent culture. It is mine. It is my thinking. It is my decision. It's my business. It's personal. It's private. Don't tell me what to do. That is the dominant thought of our culture everywhere. And we cannot help but bring that as we look at Scripture and read. It's personal. It's private. Don't tell me what to do. And so we struggle even when God tells us what to do, much less somebody else who's running tells us what to do. But that does not describe the early church. When you read through those opening chapters in the book of Acts, and you see as they came to faith and they were gathering, not even knowing exactly what this means to follow Jesus and what the church looked like and how they're supposed to act and move and do things, their togetherness is just so evident. And you know where I've seen this best? Outside the U.S. Because we, 
we're not even aware of how independent we are. But outside of our Western way of thinking, they get it better than we do. They understand like what was happening in Hebrews. Because you read through the Hebrew letter, what you read is let us, let us, let us, let us. It's together. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Think about that. Put that on your to-do list this week. All the things you got to do for work, for home, groceries, everything, chores, put that on there. Who can I stir up to love and good works? That's what we are called to do. That's what it means to be in the race. Let us, because we run together, we need each other. I was thinking about that, and I'm so grateful that we have technology that allows everyone who wants to to join our worship time this morning. We're grateful for that. Now, all of us did that for a while, and some still need to do that. That's the best choice for them. But hear me. As cozy as it is to sit at home and watch this in your pajamas, on your big screen TV, and just be able to turn the switch and then turn the switch. We all know that being in the race is much more than watching a worship service on a screen. Being in the race is much more than just gathering in the building for an hour on Sunday morning. It's much more than that. We need each other. We need accountability. We need to be in the Word together. We need to speak courage to each other. We need to learn together. We need to share victories together. We need to share defeats together. That's what it means to be in the race. You see somebody doing well and you think, if they can do it, I can do it. You see somebody who's fallen, you, you stop and you pick them up. Because when you fell, somebody stopped and picked you up. We're in the race together. We need people who will love us enough to tell us, Randy, you're getting off course. Come on. I want you to do well. The race is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a long haul. That's why we run together. You might remember the African proverb, if you want to run fast, run alone. If you want to run far, run together. So we run, we run together, and we run no matter what. We run, we run together, and we run no matter what. Stay with me. I want to get a little technical here, but I want to share some insight into three key words that I hope will help us to understand what the, the writer of this book is trying to communicate here. No blanks to fill in, but there's some space on your outline if you'd like to take notes. It's going to be on the screen. The first word is trekomen. Trekomen. The verb tense is key. Literally, it means let us keep on running. That's what he's saying, that let us keep on running. Every day, every night, don't give up. Let's keep on running. But then it says, keep running with endurance or with perseverance. Now, when I read those words, what I tend to think of, and maybe you're like me, I think of hunker down, endure. You know, you grit your teeth and bear it. As I was studying through this, I was thinking about all the, the people in southern Louisiana that were enduring a hurricane. You know, they just had to grin and bear it, you know, just kind of wait it out. It's bad, just kind of bear down and hang on and it's going to pass. So when you read endure or persevere, that may be what you're thinking. But the word there is hupomone. The first part of that hupo means to go under. And the mone, like a hypodermic needle. You've heard of that before. 
And the Monet means to stand. That's what it means to stand under. And one author explained that when you read this word, hupomone, picture in your mind Atlas. Remember Atlas? Strong man that had the whole world on his shoulders. That's what those who knew Greek and heard this, read this message, and that word, when they heard that word, they would think Atlas. So it's not a grin and bear it kind of thing. It's a stand strong kind of message. You run no matter what. So hupomone then would mean, let us keep running with strength. Let us keep running with strength. The kind of strength that comes no matter what, I'm steadfast. Like we talked about last week, when life hands us that weight, we didn't ask for it. It's not a sin consequence, it's just life. We keep running with strength. Sometimes it is our mistakes. And we've got the way that we need to let go of some of those, set it aside, push it away, but keep running. And then the word race. The word race is agone, which maybe that makes you think of agony. They're from the same root word. It means athletic contest, grueling conflict, a positive struggle in the soul. It's the same word that appears in 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight. Same word, fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. So it's a painful race. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a struggle. So let's keep running with strength no matter what. I believe that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. You keep running even when it gets hard. You keep running when the weight comes and it gets heavy. You keep running even when there's pain. You keep running when others give up and they will. You keep running when our hearts are heavy with loss. You, get, you, you keep running when others discourage you or make fun of you. You keep running when a family member walks away. You keep running when, when your trust is betrayed. You keep running when the actions of others trip you and make you want to quit. You keep running when life decisions from the past come back like a vengeance. You keep running because what the author here would say is because Jesus is superior. Jesus is better. Because here's what we know. When we keep running, when we stay in the race, that is when God does his most transformative work in us. That's when we grow. That's when we mature. That's when we become more and more like Jesus. Take a moment and think of someone that you really look up to spiritually. Who would that be? Who do you look up to spiritually? Who for you is like a, like a spiritual job? Maybe a man, maybe a woman. Could be a family member, maybe a peer. But somebody you look up to spiritually. Somebody who has such strength of character, incredible hope. Even though their life was far from easy, and you see in them, or maybe you saw in them if they've already gone on, an amazing faith. And then ask yourself, did they have that character and that hope and that faith before they went through the difficulty? Do they have all of those attributes of Jesus when they first started the race or maybe in the last days of their race? Or did it come about because of their commitment to run with strength? Because they never gave up on God 
Because they understood the message here in the book of Hebrews, but especially like these men and women in Hebrews 11, by faith, they kept running. They kept running year after year, decade after decade. So this morning, my challenge to you is to be that person for someone. I asked you to think of somebody who was that example of strength, character, of hope, of faith, that spiritual hero, heroine. Let that be your goal, that you could be the one for someone else. So let's run. Let's run together. And let's run together no matter what. But to do that, you've got to get in the race. For some of you, that may mean back in the race. And if we can pray for you and encourage you, or if it's a private conversation, I encourage you to, to seek out an elder or a minister or another Christian to help you to get back in the race. Or if we can pray for you together to come forward as to sing this song. Or if you're ready to confess Jesus as Lord, that Jesus is better, superior than everything else, have your sins washed away in baptism. We want to encourage you. We're going to stand and sing this song together.